Real conversation, real connection. It's Real Life with John Cowan on Newstalk ZB. G'day, I'm Real. I'm John Cowan, and this is Real Life, and uh, I'm delighted to have as my guest tonight the Honourable Damien O'Connor. Well, I'd be slightly more delighted if he was actually on the line at the moment, but I can just see his line connecting now. We'll just click onto him now. It was, And Damien O'Connor was elected in 1993, and hello Damien. Hello, how are you John? Oh, good to have you on the line. I was just a little bit anxious. Hoping that. Oh, no, uh, sorry, sorry, I, I, I missed the. I was actually watching the end of Country Calendar, and it must have run a minute or so late. So of course, that's, that'd be vital prep for a, a person of all your uh, rural-based portfolios. It, it is really. I, I, I have missed it for quite a while, but I've made a point of trying to see it every Sunday night now because it's they're great stories, actually. It's been going forever, hasn't it? I, I mean, if TV's yes. been on TV, <laughs> been on for sixty years in New Zealand, I think. Uh, Country calendar must have been on for most of it. The same theme music. Yeah, you did right. And and uh, my my father was on many 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 years ago. Got that thirty forty years ago. Yeah, he was a big dairy board man, wasn't he? Very very uh, keen on dairy co-ops. And he things. was a staunch co-op man. Yes, he was. So he uh, he'd almost done fifty years. Actually, he didn't quite get fifty years on on co-op board. It was Buller Valley, then Caramere, and then Westland. Right. So, yeah, and he passed yeah. away not so long ago, didn't he? Was it a last yeah, couple, couple of years? Yeah, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yes, yes, it was. So, uh, yeah, so I've always got a couple of sons that couple are still farming and carrying things on. So, yeah, that's good. If you've just my tuned in, my guest tonight is Damien O'Connor, member for West Coast Tasman, minister for everything rural, agriculture, biosecurity, rural communities, tourism. And uh, over the next half hour, we'll talk about some of the things that make him tick, some of the things that have uh, motivated him along the way, some of his heart for the West uh, west Coast and uh, also for things rural. So um, uh, I'd, I'd like to talk to, about, to you about your family because it's obviously you're following in a, in a, a long tradition of family uh, farming on the West Coast. Yes, well, actually, his um, great-grandparents had come to Nelson. He was brought up in Appleby, and uh, then when he was 17, went down to the West Coast and worked with an uncle um, that had a sawmill, actually, where his farm was, the mouth of the Buller Gorge, and then he just started, uh, I think they had, there was a little milking shed there, and he started with a few cows, and then basically spent most of his life... um, I guess battling with the bush, as he would say, yeah. um, and just clearing more, more, more paddocks. And I guess we, you know, the the farm is between the uh, I guess the northern part of the Paparoa Ranges and the Buller River, hmm. and uh, so it's a spectacular spot. My youngest brother's on on the farm there now, and uh, you know a lot of paddocks, but still a lot of bush, and and it's a great spot. Would that be bead? Is it? It is bead. Yes. yes. So he's. Uh, Yes, and so, uh, yeah, there's four, four boys and two girls, yep. so, um, you know, I guess always a reasonable size family. I have about um, close to 60 cousins, first cousins, <laughs> from my father's side, so we we had some great gatherings, and many of those actually in Murchison up the Tutaki Valley, and uh, they, they were great times. It was a, a dry stock farm my uncle was on. They didn't have to milk cows. That daily grind of milking cows was something that, uh, when we had a chance to get a break from it, that we always enjoyed it. But uh, you, when you went uh, share milking yourself, 
you would have been what the fourth generation in the family. So if it's a, that terrible a job, you, 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 surely the family would have wised up to something better by the, in that period of time. Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess yes. Well, I'd, I'd come back. Uh, I'd spent four years, five years in Australia, yeah. and uh, my father said, "Oh, you should come back." I think he was looking for someone else to. Um, you know, to help him on the farm, and so he convinced me to come back, and then uh, uh, and that was great. But uh, we, we, you know, we had differences of opinion on different things to strong-minded people, and and so I started a, a, a small tourism business with a friend, a couple of friends actually, and, and we kind of did that as we were share milking the farm. So it was a it was a great time. We were um, just, I guess, flat out uh, working really on on something. There's always something happening. So. You love your cows, but the idea of belting up a river in a jet boat's a bit more fun. Yes, well, I've, I've kind of done the riding motorbikes and done a little bit of rallying, and, and so I, I don't know, I had a little bit of, of I guess, a petrol head uh, inclination, <laughs> and, and uh, so I liked a bit of that, and, and I, I guess I'd enjoy it. I worked on a mine in West Australia, and, and I, the machinery was something I enjoyed, and yep. so it gave me the, the, the opportunity to do it all. I guess we'll be able to tell whether you're a petrol head or not when you tell us what size engine you had in your jet boat. Um, we originally had a, a Leyland P76 motor, but then we ended up uh, with a big block Ford 460, which was uh, quite a beast, quite yes. heavy, but um, uh, you did the job. Well, you, you replace motors quite often in Jeff, so we had a few of them. <laughs> well, I think a 460 cubic inch V8 would sort of qualify you and put you into the petrol head category quite well, but... Uh but uh, <laughs> but there, there really, really is an appetite for a bit of action in your blood, isn't there? Because you you built around on push bikes and motorbikes. Yes, I, I I guess I'd grown up on the farm, and I was just watching Country Calendar and and seeing uh, you know kids on the horses, and and I'd uh, you know lived on the horses really uh, from a young age, and mm. and because there were no helmets, um, lots of galloping, lots of what you'd probably see as reasonably high-risk uh, activity, but anyway, we survived, a bit of luck, I guess. And, yeah, for, the one, and, uh, for those of us who survived, it was a great childhood. <laughs> <laughs> it was, and, and uh, yeah, look, it was, it was a joy, and I guess we didn't have, uh, you know, the, the traffic on the roads wasn't quite the same, um, but I guess the horses ran just as fast, and uh, the West Coast probably a little bit softer ground, and I certainly uh, hit it many, many times. Well, it, they keep it damp so just so kids can fall off and not break bones, don't they? They're to keep the <laughs> yes, absolutely, and a bit of grass growth too. So there's always a bit of grass to fall on. It was very, really uh, dry soil, dry, hard soil. Have you noticed the ground's getting harder though these days? How are your ribs? Have your ribs healed up? Um, yes, they have. I've, I've um, yeah, been pretty lucky and to go. Uh, I, I probably had broken or cracked a few, but not not um, not like I did off the bike. Uh, I guess, and, and that was so uh, off a mountain bike. I guess the most serious accident I've had, um, yeah. which is pretty lucky. Pretty lucky, really. Ah, so do you yeah. reckon you'll be back yeah. in the parliamentary rugby team now that the ribs are not so sore? Uh, well, we, I did manage to play one game last year. The, the uh, team went to Japan. It's, yeah. always, it's a tradition uh, every four years. and uh, So I played one game, but it was between actually trade negotiations and, and cabinet. So I uh, well, I was in Thailand and, and then went up for a game, um, which was great. Played under Mount Fuji. Oh, no, it was, it was played under Mount Fuji in, in a spectacular location. And they had a parliamentary tournament there which um, I came back and, and, and New Zealand managed to win, which is uh, keeps up our tradition. We have one every time. Yeah. Um, but I, I went to the first one in 1995. Um, Trevor Mallard and, and uh, Murray McCulley had 
the organisers at that time uh, just come into Parliament and uh, Nelson Mandela had asked, had sent out an invitation um, to a number of parliaments, the, the, the Commonwealth and, and those playing in the rugby, well, in the real rugby cup, World Cup, mm-hmm. saying if, uh, you know, parliamentary teams, if they wanted to come down, uh, you know, they, South Africa would host um, and they looked after us. It was a wonderful tournament. We got to meet Nelson Mandela. We went to his home um, and we, you know, did the haka for him as a team. So I, I guess, you know, uh, that, that experience really drove me to carry on playing for a wee while. I wonder what you're prouder of, uh, more than a quarter of a century in Parliament or still playing rugby at 60? That's pretty good going. Yeah, well, one might be good and one might be insane, they say, but or <laughs> some might say both are insane. Um, uh, yeah, I, I guess I'm, I've been pretty lucky with, uh, I guess, injuries. And as I say, the one off the mountain bike um, was, was the, the hardest one I've had. Yep. Broke a few ribs and punctured a lung, but... Um, you know, other than that, I've been pretty fortunate. You mentioned the word insane. Uh, in 2019, you're probably thinking, mycoplasma bovis and Fonterra tanking and, oh, at least 2020 can't be as bad as that. <laughs> but it's been a fairly insane year for just about all the portfolios that you're, car- that you're looking after. I mean, I suppose agriculture's still doing okay, but tourism's not doing so well, is it? No, it's been pretty hard for um, our region, I guess, recently. Um, you know, we'd gone through a really strong early 2000s, a great period for the West Coast region, and I represent West Coast Tasman. So it's about 30,000 in West Coast and 30,000 in Tasman. And right. a lot of similarities, primary-based uh, industries and, uh, you know, a bit of tourism. Um, but but the, uh, the tourism has certainly dried up a little bit. And uh, the West Coast had done a lot of hard work, um, you know, been battling um, in the last probably five or six years. Um, the mining industry's been hit hard. Yep. Coal prices, different things like that. And so a lot of jobs have been lost, but people were, you know, moving towards tourism, looking to that for opportunities, and, and this has hit them very hard. So, it's, you know, a lot of people are reeling um, from, from this on the West Coast, but at the same time, they've been used to... Um, being battered around, I guess, by international um, commodity prices, uh, by people who own businesses, you know, from outside the region making decisions and and sometimes closing them down. And so the West Coast has had to be resilient uh, over many, many years, and, now, and we'll get through it. Now, you're responsible, though, for the whole of the country now for tourism and and, and agriculture and things. Do you think uh, Not as a tourism. Country- I, I, I oh. was the minister in the previous government, oh, okay. so no, Kelvin Davis is now. I, oh, I still okay. have a passion and follow, but um, okay. Kelvin's doing a good job. He's from Kaitaia, which, again, a challenging area. Yep. So he shares, shares many of my, uh, I guess, uh, um, much of my commitment to those small <laughs> rural areas. Right. No, but I was just going to say, I was wondering if the rest of the country can take on board some of that West Coast attitude that you're talking about, that, yes, we get knocked about from time to time, but we bob, up, bob back up to the surface if we stick to it. But we do, and we just got to, I guess, be a bit more positive about it. Uh, we have to focus on what we can do rather than what we can't. There's yep. a lot of... And a whole range of activities still down there. We've still got gold mining, still mm. got coal, we've got fishing, we've got dairy, we've got some tourism, we've got timber manufacturing, we've got some small engineering businesses doing really well. So that that range in an economy is, is probably unique. There are probably a few other areas that have the uh, it's the same range, but um, we're lucky. But of course, as I say, um, you know, some people get battered around. It's hard to, to, to pick themselves up, but we do. 
It's not just unique in that respect, it's unique in all sorts of ways, isn't it? I love getting down onto the coast. It's been a few years since I've been down there, but I love getting down there. But it's huge. I mean, if you were you know, to wake up in the northern part of your, of your electorate and think, oh, I've got a meeting tonight in Haast, <laughs> and then I've got one in, yeah, in Puponga, up in, up in, that, that'd be about 700 kilometres, wouldn't it? Uh, 800, yes, it is. It's a, it's a long way, and uh, from time to time, I'd, uh, you know, I'd, I'd drive a big chunk of it. I, I haven't. I've been promising myself to do it from right from the top to the bottom in one day, but um, yeah, it, it's quite a long day. Uh, eight national parks are in or bound on my electorate, which is something I'm very proud of. I mentioned from time to time, I don't think there'd be anywhere else in the world uh, that has that that, that can boast that number of national parks and commitment to, I guess, conservation. So mm. it's amazing. What's the best thing about being a West Coaster? Um, I think it's a, it's a history um, of of we were the centre of the New Zealand economy for for a number of uh, years, and I guess we discovered gold early on. Uh, we discovered coal. Both of those drove you know were international mm. commodities and on high demand. And I say, um, you know, a bit tongue-in-cheek, but, but the reality is that we have perhaps the greatest asset that the world uh, looks to at the moment, and that is water. Um, and we have a good supply of it. Yep. It often, you know, comes in in, uh, in a big rush. But uh, I guess how we can exploit our water resources uh, is something we have to look seriously at. And, um, you know, we've... The world moves on, um, and I guess renewable energy. Um, you know, and there's been a debate over a hydro project, which which I support. And I think long term, uh, we don't want to dam every river or, or in our region, but you know, hydro p- can provide us with opportunities. Um, but there are other things that water can be used for as well. And uh, you know, that, that's the uh, resource of the future. My guest tonight is Damien O'Connor, a member for West Coast Tasman and minister in. Uh and government for lots and lots of portfolios. We'll be back with them in just a minute. Intelligent interviews with interesting people. It's real life on News Talk ZB. This is Real Life. I'm John Cowan and uh, Damien O'Connor picks Stairway to Heaven. It'd be good if we could listen to a bit longer than that until we get to the the, the more rocky it bits. Would be. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, in fact, uh, John, I've been trying to find a very long version. There's a long, long version, but actually you go online and you can't get it. So um, uh, it'll be out there somewhere. Oh, I'm, you might I'm have to pay for it. <laughs> yeah, you might. <laughs> Does this, take you back to your, does this take you back to your St. Bede's days at boarding school? It does. I guess the 70s were, you know, uh, I guess going from the West Coast to, to school, it was uh, kind of a bit lonely, um, but I met a whole lot of, of people from different parts of, mainly the South Island, but a few in the North, and, uh, you know, made some great friendships, and I guess it exposed me to the wider world, which I, I'm, I'm appreciative of. What is it about St. Bede's that uh, sets them up to go off to Parliament? I mean, you've, you, you're uh, in Parliament with uh, three other Bedeans at the moment. Uh, uh, Jerry Brownlee, David Carter, Mike, uh, Matthew Ducey, they're all... Um, uh, yeah, we had Clayton Cosgrove yeah. um, um, and 
uh, so Jerry Brownlee, six of us in at one time, uh, Peter Dunn as well. So yep. um, I don't know. It certainly wasn't any. We're all from different parties. Yes. Um, and and I, I guess, you know, I can refer to a couple of the teachers there who were, you know, had good, strong social conscience who, I guess, stirred us up a bit. I wasn't very active at school, but I, I guess it probably, you know, planted some, some of the values in, in my mind and, and uh uh, you know, and that was, I guess, supported by by both my parents, I guess, who, who were absolutely uh, determined, you know, to to not allow us to be judgmental, to to take people as they are, mm-hmm. um, and and try and give people opportunities. And so I, I guess, I've tried to carry that through. So your family was a Catholic family, obviously, to send you off to a Catholic boarding school. Has some of that Catholic faith in, informed your politics over the years? Oh, absolutely. I think anyone who denies that, um, you know, I, I've spoken to a few people who, who would maybe try to deny that, but it, it's part of your upbringing, part of, you know, whether you you might, you know, choose to turn your back on it or, not, or disagree with a lot, but in the end, it's part of your thinking. And I, I guess I've, uh, you know, I have five daughters and, and I, I, I've been lucky, I guess, have, have, have been uh, exposed to a Catholic education, which is help them think. And, and I think that's all you can ask for. Okay, so people usually choose in their early life whether they're going to keep or reject the, their parents' values and faith and uh, that they were raised in. And um, if they do keep it, they usually unstitch it a bit and sort of re-knit it together like a sweater to make it fit themselves. <laughs> uh, I, I guess your faith would have evolved a bit over 60 years? Uh, yeah, it's a very good analogy, absolutely. And uh, I, I guess it's been, you know, sometimes inconvenient. I, I lived in the mine a couple of years, uh, you know, in the middle of outback Australia. And, um, you know, so so I guess there wasn't a church or a service. And, and I, you know, I can't say I'm a regular churchgoer at all, but I, you know, when I go back to Westport, it's one of those traditions of family. And uh, I guess I'd, I'd admit that, that, you know, it's always, uh, your faith is something you always have at the back of your mind and the front of your mind at times and uh, I guess that's uh, I've always believed I think and, and was taught um, by I guess more my parents than probably at school that, that you know it's a personal thing and, mm. and you commit to that and you carry that through in the way that you think is, is appropriate it doesn't have to be uh, I guess um, attendance uh, not that I'm uh, you know people make choose to do what they like um, in terms of Sunday uh, service mm. and, and um, so I can't say I'm a regular church girl but, I, but I'm, I'm a regular thinker. Right, so and that regular thinking, did, by that do you mean you pray? Ah, uh, Yes I do, yeah, from mm. time to time and I think that comes in all uh, strange times and, and places really and uh, I guess it's one of those, um, I guess that's what faith is about, I guess that's a bit of it, you might say it's habit but it's um, it, it's it's not a regular thing, but it's certainly connected to uh, I guess times when um, not necessarily crises, but but it might be for other people or or um, you know a lot of reasons. And so um, uh, I don't make judgment on other people, um, but I guess I'm fortunate um, to have had the opportunity to have um, a Christian education, which allows you to to think. Um, I, you know, and, and again, you can make judgments on other people who call themselves Christians and think you can disagree or agree with them. Um, I, I, I don't. Um, I sometimes get frustrated when I can't understand how they they can arrive at a different position from what I would think are, are similar values. Anyway, that's, that's who we are. We're, we're human beings, and we have, we're quite 
Now, you mentioned uh, your daughters, uh, five daughters. Congratulations on a a fine crop of girls there and about how their education helped them think. But sometimes they don't think the same way as you either, do they? They Sometimes they've taken different stands on some of the issues that you've uh, you've taken a stand on. Uh, yeah, they haven't. I mean, some go out of their way uh, to. I, I think I've always, um, you know, let them encourage themselves, and they've gone, you know, around. Um, but I'd have to say I'm very proud of them. They all have have a strong social conscience, and is uh, I'm afraid your phone's breaking up a bit there, Damien. I don't know if you can hear me, but I've, I've just lost your signal there. I don't know if you need to move out. To, uh, oh, well, yeah, I'm it's in one spot here, but I'll I'll move outside. It's the corner of the house that we get um, our cell phone coverage in. So I've been I've been sitting down, but right. Um, okay, so you're looking out now on where you're. Um, what was it you were, you were growing? But you've pulled out now. Was it uh, boysenberries? Yeah, yes, we had we had four and a half hectares of boysenberries here. We knew nothing about them when we came, and uh, so we learned a bit. Um, someone was contract growing, and then ended up growing them and harvesting them and they're a great beautiful fruit a great crop but um uh you know we just in the end didn't have the time horticultures it's a high risk activity and i have to applaud anyone who's in horticulture um you've got to get the timing right of your management and if you don't you know you can your harvest period is really short and mm-hmm. if you, you don't get everything right you can lose your year's income and uh anyway we 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 simply um you know weren't onto it enough to make decent profit each year so we've we put it back into grass which is not as productive mm-hmm. um, but it's quite rewarding as well to, to run a few animals well i'm sort of glad that uh you're you know as well as being able to spend a quarter of a century in parliament you've still been able to uh raise a family and and take time to watch grass grow it must be quite good sometimes <laughs> to get away from all those meetings and things that you have to go to um, oh, I, I think it's uh, you know I've, there's always something to do on this property. I've got fences to put up. Um, when I can get myself a post driver, I've got a lot of things, and it's the kind of I guess the pressures that are on most people on the land and farmers in particular. It, it, uh, your work is never ever done. Um, there's always something else to do, and you have to prioritise, I guess. And uh, so I hope I do that. Um, reasonably well. Um, I'm, I'm sure at times my and probably don't think that uh, anyway I try It's been great talking with you, we'll go out with another bit of music that you picked, what was the second song you picked for us tonight? Well it's, just, it's a band called Faithless and you might think it's a terrible title but it's actually, especially on a program like this, uh, but actually uh, the, the the songs are amazing uh, and, and the social messages through that are, are, are also ones that should be heard around the world and to all new arrivals is a song uh, that just respects new life infants but points out some of the horrific things like malaria uh, and the number of children who are killed every year so uh, they're a UK band I'd love to see them live and uh, you know someone should listen to them Damien it's been great talking with you thank you for taking the time and uh, we might get you back again on Real Life sometime find out a bit more about your story thank you John the pleasure Thank you for listening to Real Life. I look forward to being back with you again next Sunday night. Real Life. Made with help from New Zealand On Air.